Darling, we've had one hell of a time But the question on everybody's mind Where is the Matthew Rosenberg, I have a question for you, and it is, do ideas bleed? Mm. Uh, that's a, wow. You know, bleed, uh, people don't know this because mm-hmm. this podcast just started. Mm-hmm. Uh, bleed has multiple meanings, and it has mm-hmm. a meaning in both the human body <laughs> or mm-hmm. any body, any body with a liquid in it. I don't really know. Let him uh, finish. Let him but finish. There's also, there's also <laughs> a, a, a print meaning. So, like, uh-huh. you know, uh, people who think our uh, podcast has a stupid name. They probably don't realize that it's slightly less stupid than they think. They don't know that it's layered. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's nuanced, guys. There's nuance. Well, welcome back to the slightly less stupid Ideas Don't Bleed <laughs> featuring <laughs> Matthew Rosenberg, uh, as well as the two supple boys here, Ethan S. Parker and myself, Griffin Sheridan. But we're joined by two fantastic guests on this very special episode Kelly Thompson is making her triumphant return from episodes one and two, going for three, maybe even four. We'll see. Is this, is this your just, victory lap? I'm, I'm just a permanent fixture now. Just accept oh. it. That's what's happened. Perfect. And uh, and this episode, we're also joined by Ed Brisson. Ed, fantastic having you, sir. Thank you for being here. No, thanks a lot. So, so much. So much enthusiasm. That was. Not have sounded more wow. <laughs> That was that was that was some real me and Ed hanging out. Live. He was like, oh, hey. You guys are getting the real stuff. I yeah. appreciate that. Mm. Uh, we are taking it back all the way to the fall of 2018 for everybody. This episode. How's Can that? How's imagine? that striking you, Matt? I saw Can you, you immerse yourself in 2018. I, I <laughs> yeah. honestly, when you said it, I was like, "Is that the right year?" Like that's it how. Is. That's how much good insight you're going to get from me on this. Is that like I was like, "Is uh-huh. that the correct year?" I'm not sure, but it is. I think right. It is yeah. November of 2018. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, if you can think that far back, pre-pandemic days, you know, you mm. guys were just doing the little X-Men book before the world collapsed. That's completely and utterly, I think is what I'm saying. It feels even further than that away, though, because I believe the summit for this was in, what, it was like April of that year, right? Something Mm. like that? March, maybe? Yeah, we started early. In the spring. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it wasn't winter. I feel like I actually might have missed my wife's birthday to be at the retreat. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, April. (laughs) You know what? I do remember something like that. I do remember something like that. Yeah, a a real dick move on on Marvel's part, (laughs) not not mine. (laughs) Not mine. You're wondering what book Ed had to miss his wife's birthday for. Of course, we're talking about Uncanny X Men. (laughs) I didn't realize we hadn't said that yet. (laughs) (laughs) Me either. Thank God, Griffin. We'd be we'd be. Already. Specifically, we're talking the, the 10 parts X-Men disassembled that you three collaborated on. Yes. Uh, looking looking back, how do you feel? What do you what do you yeah, think? Yeah, let's just get it started. Matt, we can start with you, your mm-hmm. podcast. What how do you feel about Uncanny X-Men four I, years on? You know, my feeling 
I just was doing the math. I was like, is that four years? That's how good I'm, I'm I feel sharp today. Um, the, how do I feel is for me growing up at uncanny X-Men is, is my book. Like that's my all time favorite. That's my number one comic. Um, you know, my whole, my whole life. That's, that's it. So I feel incredibly proud to have written this book, written, you know, a whole large chunk of my favorite characters in comics. Uh, it's a nice, I was already writing X-Men stuff. Um, all of us were, but uh, to do Uncanny feels really heavy. And um, I feel good about it in that, like, people all the time come up to me at shows, at signings, and talk about how much they love the run. And that's a good feeling. Um, but uh, it's a weird book. It's a weird, a weird book and weird memories. I think that people, you know, when you make a comic at the end of the day, there's sort of two things you're trying to do, which is make something you're proud of and make something that the audience likes. And um, I feel like we accomplished both of those things uh, to varying degrees. I feel like I'm very proud to have done the book and there's a lot of stuff in here that I really love. And um, yeah, I mean, people seem to really like the book at the time and, and still do. It's a weird thing to be doing X-Men because after we left, it was completely reinvented. So mm -hmm. like it does more than any other book. It doesn't feel like it connects to what they're doing now in a lot of ways, even though it mm -hmm. specifically was made to connect to what they're mm -hmm. doing now. Um, so I have yeah. a, I have a weird relationship with it, but mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I'm happy to have done it. Kelly. I mean, when we talked about it all together, I remember our hearts sort of sinking when we realized the directive was, Killed. come in and be the story that's a big story that blows everything up and ruins everything before <laughs> john comes in with his great big saving idea mm. like in some ways that was sad like we love yeah. characters we don't want to blow them all up and just yeah. literally dissemble them which is what they wanted but i do think that you know once we got into it, there were fun things about that. Like you could really swing for the fences. And especially because we knew some of what Jonathan was planning, you know, we've mm. been in the summits with him. I feel, uh, like, I I feel think, like we knew all of what he was planning. Yeah, no, well, I mean, we yeah. hadn't read it, but like we, we knew the inside yeah. scoop of like what they were developing. Mm. And, and because it was such like a new direction for that, it was a chance here to like throw all the old classics at the wall, which I credit Matt a lot for coming up with a lot of that plot and character ideas, a lot of stuff he had in his head when he came into the summit. Uh, I think he brought a lot of that with him that really helped us out. He also made the suggestion as I recall right away that we should be doing the numerals on the front so that mm -hmm. the text one could be X. And I was like, why aren't they doing that at every thing? <laughs> like every temporal story should have that, man. It was such a, <laughs> like a simple, obvious idea that was just sitting mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. I love it. I'm smart. Ed, <laughs> Ed, what, Ed, what's your thoughts? I don't know. Yeah. It's uh, basically what you said. There's a lot of fun stuff. I think, that we probably got away with because we knew they were just going to reboot everything. And so like, mm -hmm. there was a certain amount of like, just fucking do whatever, I guess. <laughs> like, um, mm -hmm. And we got to, we got to do a bit of that for better or worse. Um, but yeah, there was, it definitely, uh, um, 
I think for us, uh, what Kelly was saying, it took away a bit of the stakes on our end, like because we knew that mm. nothing, nothing we did here was going to have lasting consequences. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of fun stuff I wanted to do coming in. Some of the stuff, you know, we got to do, and some of the stuff we didn't. Yeah, uh, like where where were we all? I know. I was com- we were all on Xbox coming into mm-hmm. this. Like we were, yes. there was a bunch of people writing X stuff. I know that like um, Mark Guggenheim was writing Gold, oh. right? And mm-hmm. and Dennis Hopeless was on Gene. No, that had already ended. Uh, Bun was on. Colin was on stuff. Colin Bun was on. He was on, on X Men Blue. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And Tom mm-hmm. Taylor was on Red or Red had yes. ended. I think um, Red had already ended, but yeah, he yeah, did I think, arc on mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, and I was on Astonishing X Men, and I want to say new uh, New Mutants had ended. I was on Astonishing X Men, and and I was doing Multiple Man, I guess. And what were you guys doing at the time? Were you doing Multiple Man already? Yeah, Multiple Man was before this. Yeah, Uh, I know. I was on Old Man Logan at the time, and Mm. I was doing Extermination, and Extermination was going to lead into X Force. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think I was like partway through extermination when we started on this because I had to do a bunch of goaltending uh, to sort of like keep some of the extermination stuff safe. Um, mm. And I can't remember what else I was fucking writing back then. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was doing Mister Mrs X. That was my only X book. Uh, I think I saw ads when I was doing the reread for Captain Marvel because that was January yeah. of 2019. So I was probably already working on that. Maybe not at the summit time, but by summer, I'm sure I was already working on that too. So mm. among were other- you guys were you guys like assembled for this? Were you put together for this, or did you pitch something together? No, they no. Called, yeah they called us and put us together. Mm. I mean, I think they knew we were close that the three of us were. Yeah friends i think my feeling was always that they wanted something that could move quick and wouldn't have a lot of tension and they knew that we got along so we were Mm -hmm. there was also there was also i don't know if anyone said this out loud but there was very clearly in retrospect a thing where they wanted people who were involved with the new krakoa stuff to mostly be new people Mm. and so i think they knew that most of us who were already writing books weren't going to get to be the big voices in the Krakoa stuff. And mm. so I think a lot of writers were sort of off the table I, in that. I, I know Matt clearly wants to disagree with me. Just hold on. Let me finish the sentence. And so, um, so I, I, I do think we were three names that made sense to do a big disassemble piece, especially because Matt ended up getting tapped to do part of what then came next. Matt clearly disagrees. Mm. Go ahead. Well, Ed was on Krakoa stuff because he did New Mutants. I said mostly. And I was asked to do it, so I would say mostly not. <laughs> so I was out, apparently. And this was my you, you one were chance on to write other, X-Men, I guess. You were on other stuff. And I was just doing Captain Marvel, and Mr. and Mrs. X was ending. I mean, it uh, was ending when Krakoa started. We had a hard out at 12 or 10 or something. I can't remember. Anyway. Mm. Anyway, so I guess not. I didn't know you were ass. I knew you were doing the uncanny stuff, but I didn't know. I, you I did the uncanny stuff. I mean, I don't know. You know, like I don't know how. Whatever I, because partway through this, they decided that. I mean, I don't know if this is telling tales out of school here, but like, I, I think when, I think when we started, <laughs> our thought was that at the end of our run, 
pox and pox was going to start has of x and powers of mm-hmm. 10 and then that a certain the plan, for sure that was the plan and then at a certain point they were like no you, we need more time yeah and and so they called me to keep going on uncanny and ed on x-force and i, I did the uncanny annual as well which well, yeah, yeah but you guys are but but what happened was because Hickman wasn't ready, that's when we ended up pitching a Age of X Man or yeah, yeah. Right. in the summit a different summit. I said Age. Actually, I think Chip was the one who said Age of X Man because I was talking to Chip in the hall and he was like, "You got to get in there. You got to elbow your way in." <laughs> and so I pitched this Age of X Man, yeah. which what they ended up doing is not what I pitched. And that's a whole thing that we will not be putting on the details of the podcast. <laughs> but, um, you know, are you sure? Was, well, no, I mean, we can put it, I can, I'm happy to say that. I'm just, I'm not going to get into the weeds about okay. my pitch not being taken, even though in theory, age of X-Men was my idea, but it wasn't even my idea. It's a rip on age of apocalypse, which was mm-hmm. the whole, point right well, so, that was your, that was your idea correct age of apocalypse <laughs> <laughs> when you were no, a small child and i will say that age of apocalypse was the first like crossover that i experienced in real time that was big big like mm-hmm. that a teenager and it blew my mind i loved it mm-hmm. and so yeah i age of x-men i thought it was a really good idea if they needed a couple months yeah you know to fill i thought it was a great idea to do those stories but um but I'm just saying, I'm just trying to make it clear that what I pitched was not what they did. Even yeah, yeah. They did Age of X-Men. Those were not the books I pitched. Yeah, so they, those books all belong to different people. I'm not trying to yeah, take Zach, credit or get away from it. At, <laughs> at the end of the day, Zach Thompson and Lonnie Nadler came in and, and yeah. did that concurrently with yeah. me on Uncanny and Ed mm-hmm. on X-Force. And yeah. I also, I ended up writing one of those Age of X books as well, because yeah. apparently I won't, I will not say no to anything. Um, <laughs> you won't say no to anything that you can put glob Herman. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, well, that's mm-hmm. literally. They usually, like to do a really cool thing that you were excited about. Of course you well, should say yes, sure. right? And absolutely, and like no joke, that was my first question uh, when I came on to New Mutants and onto Age of X-Men was, could I put glob on the team? Was glob, was glob your boy? Glob's my man. Like, I love I've read right. Bob Herman quite a bit, so uh, anywhere I, where I can stick him, I'll, I'll do it. We, right. Ed, we've been friends for almost a decade, somewhere longer, in there. Longer, I think, yeah. Yeah, maybe longer. I don't know. I sort of, you know, there's a couple of years I, where we've I'm telling been, you it's been longer. But it feels longer, I know that. Uh, but the, uh, I don't think, you know, we talk about our work all the time. We talk about stuff we're making. And, like, obviously, I think you have a special soft spot for certain projects. I think we all do. And, and you know, I know that when you make murder book like that, those feel really personal to you. I know The Violent is a book, your book and image, that, that feels really personal. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever seen you as excited as you were to put those chickens, to give glob chickens. In. <laughs> that was like, you just kept talking about that and being like, yeah. Yeah, he's got the chickens. And you like came up with the perfect names for the chickens. And like, yeah. you were like, oh, the chickens are on the cover now. We got, a ch- I got chickens on the cover. It was kind of amazing. That, I don't know what it was about the idea of glob having backyard chickens that really just resonated <laughs> with me, but it did definitely just. You just knew you needed some comfort animals. You needed, you needed something, fine. yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, I was very, I was stupidly excited about those chickens. Still kind of am. Like, I don't, uh, you know, I haven't read an X book. I, I don't know if you guys are the same as me, but, like, when I stop writing uh, for, like, a, a, a 
any book or any sort of umbrella of books, I just stop reading them afterwards. Uh, yeah, it's like I just, it's like, you know, yeah, it's like breaking up with someone and you don't want to yeah. like hang out with their boyfriend afterwards, you know? Uh, <laughs> and so I haven't read, so I don't know if they've kept the chickens, but I just pray that they have. Uh, I'm, afraid, I'm afraid to check in. <laughs> I, know, I, I I read the new stuff. I'm behind on everything, but I do I don't do that. I know I know that a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. I don't. I just keep reading books. I don't know why. You're a better better person than I am. I, uh... <laughs> maybe maybe I'm not as emotionally invested in the books I make. I don't know. <laughs> I uh, I recently caught up a little bit with a few series um, because I was using some X Men or I am using some X Men and Captain Marvel. So, but I do tend to be more like Ed. I stop reading something when I'm off it. It's just too hard. Like, you know, you're either frustrated by what they're doing or jealous of what they're like. I there's mm. rarely like a middle ground where you're like, oh, they're doing the perfect thing. Like you're just too attached to it. I am uh to to disconnect that way and enjoy it um although i did read hellions uh regardless uh, although that there, there had been some distance before i read hellions so there had been time to heal hellions by uh future or maybe depending on when we put this out previous podcast guest said wells I, it's, I mean, I think Zeb's a hilarious human being and a hilarious writer, and Hellion's mm. just like right in the sweet spot for me for what he was doing. I also think Zeb is a human being. <laughs> I, you know, Ethan and funny. I, I thought it was pretty good, Matt. I liked it. Yeah, thank you, guys. But you're, <laughs> you guys are paid to like it, so it's not really good. <laughs> Hellions or something else? Oh, no, oh, the joke. The joke. The my joke. joke. Zeb I mean, Wells is a human being. I do. I do pitch. like the idea that Zeb pays people to like Hellions. That's a, that's a better joke, Kelly. Good job. You got him. Um, Ethan and I are, are uh, aspiring writers. And so I wanted to ask about... Just to interrupt, sorry, but you guys are actually writing a comic. You're not aspiring writers. You're that's true. Writers. We are writers. It's happening stop, right now. Stop I guess. underselling us, Griffin. Ah, fuck. I, I, it doesn't feel real. Um, uh, so this book... Uh, at least from what I can see on these dates came out, it came out weekly. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Which is insane. insane. Uh, and that's, I, I imagine part of the reason that there's three of you writing the book. So mm-hmm. a weekly title already kind of nuts. Uh, three of you guys, how does the work sort of get split up? How did it mm-hmm. all come to fruition? And it is the because I'm literally interested in the script handoff. Like how yeah. do you, how does that yeah. work at, at that? We did a very a we did a very specific thing that almost nobody does. I think right. Really? Yeah, and okay. as uh, probably nobody does it because I think it was bad. I don't know if it was bad. It worked. Well, is there a standard procedure for how this I don't think so. Works? But I, I can. Okay. What we did, uh, I'm just jumping. In, but what we did after we like after we had the whole thing mapped out yeah. for each individual issue, uh, the, it was the job of one person to outline the issue based on like the outline we already had. So they would outline mm-hmm. 20 pages, right? Mm-hmm. These are 20 pages. Yeah, yeah except for yeah. the first one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and then the and person the who one. outlined would have to write six pages. The other person would have, the other two would have to write seven pages yeah. and we would just pick our scenes uh, and, and sort of divide it up that way. Wow. Usually like in six, seven page chunks. Yeah, and yeah, I, almost always, unless there was something specific someone wanted. Like I remember there was a scene where Ed really wanted to write the kids and I really wanted to write this Laura scene, but they were too short. And so we like chopped it up a little more in that one, but usually it was, minimum six page chunk for the most part wow. but 
I, I, I disagree with Matthew. I don't think many people could pull it off, but as the person who reread it, other than Ethan and Griffin reading it, <laughs> I, even as a writer, I had trouble telling who wrote what, yeah. who wrote what. And I think that's a real testament to us, hmm. you know, either sharing similar voices, probably a combination of having a little bit of similar styles, plus working towards making sure that it was pretty smooth. I think it reads pretty smooth, I have to say. There's a lot less disconnect between mm-hmm. issue to issue. Like, the, you know, I've recently been reading some things that had multiple writers involved, and man, there can be some real harsh, like, like, gaps and problems and you know oh this cliffhanger doesn't match and i think that is almost missing from us because we were all involved mm. Mm. What were i don't you i don't i wish that i could find it and i wish i could remember but i i know there was a joke in there when i was rereading that i specifically went, i bet that was kelly <laughs> <laughs> um, i want to know what that joke was now. yeah i want to know what that yeah, joke no, was. I, 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 maybe, maybe i can search I, for it i i had to tell uh i'm writing right now uh dc versus vampires at uh dc and there's a spinoff that i co-write i I co-write dc versus vampires with james tynan Mm -hmm. and then there's a spinoff that i co-write with alex pacnadel and um alex was like very new to it and i was like and he was like yeah i don't know you know like how things work and i was like well i can tell you how it works in dealing with the fans everything that you do that you're proud of i will get credit for and everything that i do that you hate you will get blamed for and i was like that's like some sort of immutable internet law i don't know how it works and alex like hit me back like after the first issue came out and he's like wow they're really like perfect at like giving you credit for my jokes and uh blaming me for things that you made me do and i was like yeah yeah it's really remarkable and i don't you know it's metaphysical in some way but um that's that's always my feeling on collaboration so i I feel like we we kept pretty quiet about who was writing what yeah uh when we were doing it because i think yeah we were pretty focused on making sure it felt uniform like everything felt like uh it could come from one voice because like kelly said before you can get some just intense whiplash when you go from one writer to another and it really can Mm. kick you out of the experience yeah if Uh, i'm not if i'm not mistaken we would wait right Sometimes we would wait for one person to turn in their pages to connect them mm. a little I don't bit. Know, I don't, I don't remember it as being like definitely waiting, but I do think it was pretty coordinated. And when we could, we were waiting and or revising after pages yeah. turned in. I'm telling you, rereading it, that aspect of it for multiple writers and multiple artists involved, it's pretty it's pretty damn smooth. I have yeah, to- when, I, when I said I don't think people should do it this way or whatever I said that was negative, I don't necessarily mean from, from a, a fan standpoint, from a reader standpoint. I think from a creative standpoint, it created more stress for us than we needed. Well, I, think I definitely it, I, wouldn't recommend it for people who don't know each other as well as we do. Yeah. Um, maybe I'm blue skying it after the fact, but you know me i'm always more interested in the final product than having a good time anyway unfortunately (laughs) it seemed to be from what i remember a fairly pleasant fairly like easy process like it it wasn't a real intense uh thing batting it back and forth like that i think there was a few times where we had disagreements over a direction and stuff but uh yeah you know overall uh the way we set it up it it felt like it felt re- really efficient in, yeah. in terms of how to, to get this done. To me, too. I really trusted them both. I think um, 
I I believe I was the last one brought on. Like Matt and Ed were already in, and when I got, or maybe everyone was asked at the same time, and we were all considering. I don't know, but they were like, Marvel was like, so this would be a co-write with Matt and Ed, and I was like, oh my god, like some naive little baby. I was like, oh, I love them; they're my favorite. And then after I hung up, I was like, oh god. What if this ruins it? Like, these are two of my favorite people in comics. What if we have a terrible time? Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, I do care a lot about the work, but I'm very glad that that didn't happen. I, to me, I'm not trying to pretend it was always easy, but we definitely came out of it better friends than we went in and way closer. So I'm grateful to it yeah. for that, if nothing else, you know? Yeah. I think I think the funny thing, like when you talked about the, when you guys asked about it being weekly, like, uh, in my time at Marvel, Marvel does a thing that I think goes above editorials head and I think has more to do with, um, you know, accounting and count titles and, and whatever tax reasons. But there's always in December a weekly book, you know, a weekly event, a weekly something. And in my time at Marvel, uh, I did four of them. I did the, I did them every year, basically. Phoenix Resurrection was five, was me writing five issues in five weeks. Um this oh the marvel knights that me and donnie did um mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. and brought in teeny uh howard and vidayala and annihilation scourge so i've done these mm. four times for some reason that i got the reputation as the guy who can do this um <laughs> which uh is funny because it's flattering <laughs> but also it's the most stressful thing you can do in yeah. comics is do a weekly I, yeah. book um and I think it doesn't always, uh, I don't know. I don't want to take the shine off the diamond any at, at all too much. And, and for people who love the book, like we really appreciate that. But I do feel like, you know, you have to acknowledge that comics is always sort of an assembly line. Like the machine mm-hmm. doesn't stop. It, it, it's always going and, and relentless. it's relentless. And a weekly version is like, that but the machine is running 10 times as fast as yeah, it, you know it's, like, it's literally running four times yeah. yeah it's running literally four times as fast as it normally does and i don't think that's necessarily conducive to the best work so when you ask us like how do we feel about it and it had this crazy schedule i this more than almost anything else i'd ever done i could sit there and say uh if you'd given us 10 months to make this book instead of 10 weeks i mean obviously we mm. didn't have 10 weeks but like sure. if it was over a 10 month schedule instead of a 10 week schedule uh, I, I feel very confident that we would have made a better book. Mm. Well, and maybe it would have had consistent art, which is not to swing on any of the artists who are all quite great, but you know, it's still a bit of a whiplash week to week. I think that's why I think that's one of the reasons we were interested in writing all the issues together instead of breaking it up. I've never had to do that before. So I have a very different feeling for it. I think than Matt. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I think that was my first co-writing experience on that mm. book. I don't think I co-wrote. I've co-written, co-written since, mm. um, and typically I'm not a fan of the experience, which is Same. not a knock, not a knock against anyone I've co-written with or the the final product. This is a, I think that it tends to be you get like a, a hybrid. Yeah, you yeah. just you don't get the best uh, of of any one writer. You don't get the lowest of any one writer. You get that like that middle ground it, yeah. you know and uh and that can be frustrating uh, to deal with but uh, the, the the funny thing is i had the conversation recently because um i co-written a bunch of stuff with james tynan at dc i co-wrote uh with mariko Ta- tamaki at dc 
Uh, I co-wrote with Nick Spencer at Marvel. I co-wrote with Donnie Cates. I, I mean, I've co-written with a lot of people. Um, and I, I always find myself at a certain point telling editors, well, it's not faster. And they're like, mm-hmm. how could it not be? And I'm like, yeah, 100%. because I make decisions and make, you know, snap judgment calls at three in the morning and, and decide yeah. things, but I can't do that. And yep. like, uh, it's funny because I think across the board editorial is always like, well, it's, you know, you're doing half the work and it's like, I no, think that's a solution. I don't know why. Yeah, it's not. And I'm like, uh, it's fine if you want certain things. And I think there's a way we could have maybe done this. That would be faster. If we were just like, I'm taking this issue. I'm taking this issue. I'm taking this issue. Let's meet up again in a week or whatever, but it would be such a chaotic book. And you're like just punting the problem to later, right? The time yeah. you have to spend. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I think like, you know, I know that they did those um, Avengers. Uh, what was the Avengers weekly that we no, were? No Surrender was it called? Yeah, no Surrender. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, those I know were handled different. And I like t- I called all those guys and we're like, how are you doing? Because it was like Mark Wade and Jim Zub and um, Al Ewing. And if there's someone else I'm forgetting, I think there is someone else that I'm forgetting, but maybe not. Really Charles, what was Charles involved with? Because he was involved in something and he popped into our. Mm-hmm. Charles was doing Wolverine stuff. Wasn't right. that Hunt for Wolverine stuff? Yeah, right. Yeah, that's what it was. Okay, it was Hunt for Wolverine. Yeah, Charles was doing Hunt for Wolverine, um, and that's why he came back in to tell us where that was. And Jerry was doing uh, that Infinity thing that explained. I mean, that was why? we could talk. I we could t- have the space stone, right? That yeah, yeah, yeah. We can talk about that because that was. Uh, I mean. Again, this is maybe telling tales out of school, but that's one of my favorite editorial, like one of my favorite moments at Marvel of like, oh, we have a problem because we have to make things so fast and like, let's just get everyone to figure it out, was they brought Wolverine back in something like he comes back in, I don't know, yeah, in, that infinity, he, in the Jason Aaron Infinity that's Stone right. uh, thing where he just shows up and he's, he's got one of the Infinity Stones. Yeah, he's got uh, one of the Infinity Stones and, space and stone. the what? Which one? I'm pretty sure it's a space stone. Yeah. Mm. Okay. That's a that's a purple one. Uh, <laughs> it's blue. It's blue. Right. I, I was writing Old Man Logan at the time, and I remember reading that issue when it came out, being like, "Oh, cool. Wish I'd known about this." <laughs> yeah, but there, there was this. I just remember there being this moment and us being like, "Well, how did he come back?" And they're like, "Well, he has this stone." And, mm-hmm. and there was just this moment of being like, oh, this wasn't like this was a cool moment that they wanted to put in an issue. And then it was like, how did he have the stone? Like th- there was sort of just this assumption that like he'd always had it. And everyone's like, that doesn't make sense. And then there was a time travel. There was at some point a time travel thing where they were like, he's going back in time to go to Kitty Pride's wedding because he loves mm-hmm. Kitty. And that's like his little sister. And I remember being in the summit and just raising my hand and being like, he's going back from the future to Kitty's wedding. And they were like, yeah. And I was like, why would he go back in time to watch his friend not get married? <laughs> I don't remember that comment, but I sure wish I did. That's amazing. <laughs> That's pretty good. But I agree. Like that, the whole, this whole weekly several writers on a book, it just doesn't. It's it's so you know, much more work, so much more coordination, so much mm-hmm. more of everything. But you would think, even from an ed- editorial standpoint. You've got to manage three egos instead of one, right? You got to like <laughs> you're there to put out fires when they, you know, inevitably start fighting, because um, that's you know you're going to have you know three strong-minded people 
yeah. uh, of people working together, they're going to have disagreements and they're going to uh, dig their heels in. And as the editor, you're going to be the one who's going to have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't, uh, I don't really know why anyone wants it, to be honest. I mean, yes, if it, <laughs> solve a problem in certain scenarios, like for us on this and it worked, but like I see fans wanting it all the time. Like, Oh, Kelly, you should write with Tom Taylor. And I'm like, mm. Why should Tom and I write on a book together? We have such similar voices anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even know what you're gaining from that. Uh-huh. And then it's not like we're going to be able to do two times the amount of work because we're, it will just take both of us mm-hmm. more time. But publishers do really go to this hoop, like with the pandemic and I had some illness and stuff and I was really falling behind on my deadlines. And, you know, Marvel wants to have this conversation with me. They're like, listen, we can get a guest writer in someone to help you co-write. And I'm like, that is not going to speed things up at all. All you're talking about is I need to put all the stuff that's in my head on a piece of paper. And that's what I'm trying to do anyway. Like this, this yeah. adding a person to this isn't going to speed it up. You know? I mean, we, we can vouch. Griffin and I co-write everything and it's terrible. We are yeah. always like, why did we do this? I think there's a difference though. And I also do like that. If anybody is uh, on the fence about picking up uncanny X-Men, uh, that we wrote together. We're absolutely not convincing anyone to pick it up. Here. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think there's a difference between people who are, are used to co-writing that, mm-hmm. that work mm-hmm. together versus people who are used to just, you know, toiling away in their, in their offices or kitchen tables by themselves being thrust into sort of a, uh, a situation where they have to uh, suddenly uh, work with uh, two other people. I also think that creator-owned is a little bit different. Not that there aren't some really famous writing teams that have done it really well in corporate comics, too. But I just feel like in creator-owned, I don't know, you're not following someone else's directive that you're both locked into. It's more of a collaborative, you know, instead of Matt, Ed, and I fighting over who gets to write so-and-so this week for the plot we've been inherited, you know, Mm -hmm. you guys are just sort of making that up as you go. Yeah. but how, how often do you two get in fights about it? Yeah. I mean, Honestly, yeah, most, I would say, <laughs> I think we're like 70, 30, 70% of the yeah. time we are like on the exact same page. And there's those moments of like, Oh my God, we sh- like, we share a brain. And then I'd mm-hmm. say maybe like 30% of the time we'll have to go back and forth on something. And 10% is like full. Like I completely disagree. We, we gotta walk away from this. Yeah. But like, you guys, you guys say, like, like take like a week off from each other. Like you gotta take some time. <laughs> well, and, like, we walk can't away do that. Right? We work like every day together. Yeah, so it's like, yeah. we just gotta not talk about this book for a few days. But like, yeah, we, like we, I will say just... like the, the stuff where we are like <laughs> smashing heads together tends to be where a lot of like the bigger, like twists come from, like mm-hmm. the bigger, like changes that we're really excited about. So mm-hmm. I don't know. It's all pretty productive. I think. It's basically like a fuck your idea. Fuck your idea. Uh, do you have yeah. another idea? No. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess we're figuring it out. And then well, it's going to turn out great, but I will say there's a ton of resentment building. Like, I don't know how long this can last. <laughs> I will say as the person, again, who just reread it this morning, mm-hmm. uh, in addition to Ed saying we're not encouraging anyone, I will say I really enjoyed, especially the first four issues. Mm. I think the first four f- issues are really strong. I think we go off the rails a little bit in five. And we can talk about why or not, but I think we seeded some fun mystery stuff. There's, you know, we got, I think that each of us had um, like itches that we wanted to scratch coming in. Like I, obviously I really wanted to do Glob and, and the team surrounding him. I think Kelly, you and I were kind of like, 
butting heads over who got to do armor more yeah, often. Yeah, I love armor, and mm. so, and so I was do very I. interested in her. But Ed was both interested in her and more interested in the kids as a group. And so I think I usually ended up ceding that ground to Ed usually because I just more wanted armor in with the main guys like not with it because i feel like she's a little different than those kids even though she does sort of belong there so that was a little bit of a push and pull the thing i was going to say before is that one of the things that i felt good about in reading it today was in rereading it today was that i do feel like one of the advantages and you guys could maybe speak to this or maybe you're so similar it doesn't work this way but <laughs> I was feeling like it's nice to have other people's ideas in there, you know, mm, because yeah. it's thematically, like even when I'm trying to explore and try new things and do new things, I still thematically have the things that are most important to me that are sort of things that I always go back to. And I don't even think that's a bad thing. It's the ideas you're interested in, the things you want to explore, but you can push into new interesting ground when you've got other writers who you respect and like, who are into mm. other things too. And like, I think Matt and Ed brought a lot of their DNA to Uncanny. And so it's never a story I would have told on my own. And I like that about it, you know? Yeah, I remember specifically you, Kelly, very much being like, this has to be about the younger X-Men being taken seriously. And like, mm -hmm. she was like, you know, you, you Kelly, were like, the, the, this is not something that the, the books don't take them seriously the the like no one takes them, the x-men in the in the books don't take them seriously this is our chance to really be like these are x-men like show them respect mm -hmm. and that was not a place that i thought i would go and i, I like those young x-men um and i thought i thought that was such a good point to be was like that me or was that ed i thought it was you was it me i i was i, I was really pushing like not to disagree with you matt but also to disagree with you uh yeah <laughs> so when we no, all i mean maybe, when we all, maybe i'm misremembering when we all came in i think we all had different ideas because remember matt you came in and you were just like multiple man multiple man like just over and yeah, over yeah. you'd like one and multiple man in there uh I, I had just been talking to another editor about doing a young x-men book mm -hmm. and i wanted to do like this young sort of version of uh, new mutants uh and and the thing and i think this is where kelly and i probably really agreed and, and where we saw armors i always saw armor as someone who's paid enough dues that she should be in a leadership position and not yeah. you know and i think that was one of the things we talked about earlier yeah. was sort yeah. of was sort of putting her on those tracks to become more of a, a leader by the time it was over um and i'm trying to like kelly i know you had some I, my favorite thing that you had was uh was all the uh avengers infinity war stuff uh because uh, Matt and I had seen it the night before, and Kelly hadn't seen it. Yeah, they, we went to the premiere. Like, oh, Mar yeah. like that was Kelly wasn't in town yet for the summit, yeah. and Ed was in town, so we went to the premiere of the movie in New yeah. York. And then was that movie four years ago? Yes, it yeah. was. Yeah. Oh my god! And <laughs> and the uh, and Kelly in the room. Kelly beforehand was like, we everyone had seen it, and everyone at the summit had seen it because like all the marvel people went and well, kelly was no, the only person who missed me. it that summit was the small summit yeah yeah, yeah. i mean it was just it was just editors it was just, but yes everyone but me had fucking seen and, this and you and you specifically were like don't, don't spoil, spoil it for me <laughs> and then you kept pitching things that were in the movie yeah. wild. Yeah. and we didn't want to tell you like that's in the fucking avengers movie well, but like, everyone's shaking their head 
we just kept being like, let's not do that. And you'd be like, that's a cool idea. Why wouldn't we do that? And we'd be like, let's just do something else. And we, could, we didn't know how to tell you. I like, think that's eventually the plot of the movie. we had to break. I was yeah. like, why? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, listen, that's in the movie. And I'm like, oh, yeah. I've been a millionaire then. Clearly, my ideas are above this room. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, I would argue that the movies are below the comics. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. That's Matt's hot take here. Yeah. Weirdly, I also have a uh, Marvel movie podcast where I argue the exact opposite. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I, the, I mean, let's talk about the summit for a little bit. Like, if we're going to talk about the book, like, let's talk about the creation. I think that's the kind of thing that maybe people find interesting. Or well, maybe can I don't. give Matt some credit because Multiple Man totally was his thing. Mm, I love that guy. It's I love him too. Favorite, one of my favorite characters, and so criminally underused with such a great mm. flexible power set that I get it. It's hard to use it. You got to be really mm. smart, but it's incredible. Um, mm. But I have to say, on the reread, uh, the multiple man stuff is still fucking great. You really, love the way he kicks it off. Yeah, it really, it, how he kicks it off, and the mystery with Kitty and Kitty disappearing, and some of the—I'm telling you—the first four issues are yeah, yeah. tight. How yeah. that stuff comes together? Why does multiple man have different powers, which he shouldn't have? And then the resolution of that—I think the resolution, to be honest, is a little buried. Like. It's sort of a blink and you miss it. Like, and those are some of the construction issues that I think sometimes come with a big event like this. Like, sometimes these things that you're building don't quite deliver all the way like you hope they will. I mean, I would say one of my favorite things that we did is the kitty stuff, but we don't really pay it off well enough i in my mm. opinion i like i think there's a part in issue with either five or six when we're getting into like the idea of the council and i don't know if we were getting pushback from marvel or if we just yeah we were agreement I... on what it should be but it gets a little messy in there and you can tell it's not what it was like originally supposed to be you can feel it you know the th we did we did get pushback on the council because they were like that's where John ends up going, like yeah. with with the idea of apocalypse on the council and like yeah. all these different mutant factions having an equal yeah. voice. They were like, that's a Krakoan thing. Like, let's just push that back. And it's too um, bad because I'm telling you, in those first four issues, the setup and the mystery feels like the strongest part of it to me. Like, yeah, that we really seeded that correctly. And even with it feeling chaotic, you still feel like you're uncovering a mystery as opposed to the back half where it just feels like war, X-Men, chaos stuff, big fights, yeah. people throwing powers at each other. It just gets really dumbed down. And listen, you sort of have to go there a little bit. Um, and how much you're successful and how much you're not is, you know, salt's taste, I suppose. But um, yeah, I, I, I think the ideas are all there, but like some of the execution... You know, and that happens on any comic, even when it's just you and your perfect team. Like, it's hard work to create something and make it just how you envision it. But I do think the more cooks you throw in there, the more complex it becomes, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And I, you know, I, I think a book like this, like, is feeding, trying to feed so many different masters of, like, yeah. we're putting an end to a thing. We're also trying to, like satisfy this certain thing but also you know we're clearing you know it's it's hard to do the fan favorite x-men when they're like get a lot of the x-men off the table yeah. you're like well that, that's complicated i can't was it a mandate that we did the apocalypse age of apocalypse stuff in this i feel like that was yes yeah yeah and, they wanted age of apocalypse a, stuff. right okay and i think i like i know everyone loves age of apocalypse 
but that was sort of the the era the era where i tapped out of comics for a little while yeah um i can't remember did it become a mandate because they were doing age of x-man and so no it was the anniversary right yeah i I think think so it was I think it was an anniversary, and they're like, we want to have nods to this. Because I but, I do think that was one of the biggest mistakes of the run in retrospect. There just wasn't enough time. Like, all the world building and design for that Age of X, Age of Apocalypse world that's, like, inside Legion, or inside Legion's head, it just yeah. doesn't feel fully fleshed out. And I think it's just a matter of, like, time and attention. Like, it just, it, it just doesn't quite work like some of the other stuff and it feels mm-hmm. like spread a little thin you know um yeah but it's um, a cool idea like and and what i keep coming back to is when we were in that room that they were very excited when matt would say something like well what about legion because they knew that Kirko was going in such a different direction mm. and we knew it too but they probably knew the nitty-gritty better than we did that you know, they wanted us to bring in all these old crazy conceits and everything, like pile it all on. And, you know, that part of it was fun, but it can get out of hand pretty easily. Yeah. When I took, when I, when, when you guys stepped off the book and it was just me for the second half, like I had a, I had a meeting and I, I, I came into the office and, and I remember very clearly they were like, this is the farewell to this era. And I was like, okay and and what does that mean and they they're funny because they made us tape i don't know if you guys taped them but we taped videos about different eras where we were like this era of x-men and how they defined the eras i was like that's not how i would define the eras of x-men but whatever and they were like this era starts at grant morrison and ends at you and i was like oh oh no problem and and wow. and like i was like it starts with grant morrison and they were like yeah and i was like so this era of x-men starts with eight million mutants being killed like (laughs) it starts with genosha being destroyed basically and they were like yeah i guess and and they were like you know part of my mandate was go in and decimate that just completely annihilate the x-men make this the darkest moment in x-men history and i was like okay and then they said you know make it the darkest moment in x-men history and touch on every era and i was like okay and i was like okay but i realized that when they started doing that, that I was like, oh, this is coming from the fact that we touched on a few eras and that really got them excited, that we did Age of Apocalypse stuff and we did Young X-Men stuff. And they were like built on that. They got excited about that idea that we had in the book of like, yeah, there's some flashback stuff, but also it's about the next generation. And they were like flashback to everything. And I was like, okay. And so that's why my run after this like has even more of that stuff. Interesting. and there's like Age of Apocalypse stuff in there because I shoot out Cyclops' eye and he grows his hair a little bit. <laughs> and like there's other Age of Apocalypse like little nods in there. But there, I'm just literally was reading everything and just being like, OK, I'm going to reference that and pull that. And I feel like um, when we did it in our 10 issues, it was very much like slapped on in a way where we didn't understand what they what what was being asked of us in some ways that it was like really do an age of apocalypse tribute and we did it but then it, i think you're right that it's like a little more surface like age of apocalypse o- is owed a greater debt than just being what we get did for it maybe i don't know i don't really i don't know i don't blame us i just think you know 
something seems like it will work on paper and it's not that it didn't work it hangs yeah. together fine as a story it's just you look at it and you go hmm maybe issue, the first four issues feel pretty tight and like they're very controlled yeah. and then it's at issue five where it feels like it becomes a little unwieldy to me And that brings us to the end of part one of our retrospective on Uncanny X-Men with Kelly Thompson and Ed Brisson. While you're waiting on part two, make sure you head over to 1979semifinalist.substack.com to see everything that Kelly Thompson and her wonderful collaborators are working on, and edbrisson.substack.com for everything that Ed and his collaborators have to offer. To get the latest episodes of this podcast, as well as news, giveaways, and even comics delivered straight to your inbox, go to ashcanpress.com and sign up for the newsletter. We'll be back next week for part two of our X-Men discussion. And in the meantime, you can write to us at ideasdontbleedpod at gmail.com or tweet to Matt at Ashcan Press on Twitter, me at Tales to Astonish, or Griffin at Griff Sheridan. We'll include some of your correspondence on the show, and we'd love to hear what you have to say. And big thanks to Summer People for our theme song, Where's the Poison? Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Where is the poison?